So I've been recording the messages and putting them on our website. So if you want to catch up, you feel free to go on there. It's on our SoundCloud app that's on there. And if you can, if you want to, you can subscribe. And don't worry, whatever <laughs> happens, I'll make sure that that keeps going. I think that's a wonderful way to record the journey that we're going on, especially as we move into this next season. So yeah, so I'm going to be employing what's called a missional hermeneutic. And today's reading really fit in very nicely with it. A hermeneutic is an ancient philosophical term that describes how you interpret scripture, yeah? So it's talking about looking at it from a certain point of view, a certain perspective. Um, And um, what we've been using so far has been really what's considered a systematic hermeneutic. What's the scripture actually saying? What's the context it's saying it in? And how can we apply it? But I want to change that ever so slightly. And I want to use a missional hermeneutic. The missional hermeneutic asks those questions and then one more. And that is, what's God's mission in this? Can you ask that question with me? What's God's mission in this? And as we read scripture, and we'll be looking at Galatians for the rest of this month, I saw some really big things that talk about God's mission. And the first thing I want to challenge for us in all of our mind today is this idea of what mission is. Because for some of us, and as I shared with you earlier, and I have shared in some of my private conversations, uh, I have come from a mission background. My parents were missionaries. My biological father was the first native missionary with New Tribes Mission assigned out of Orlando, Florida. My mother was a uh, mission consultant from Word of Life in Argentina. And she actually uh, went to the Billy Graham Crusades and she stayed in Bolivia for one year doing follow-up with people. I myself was trained at Wycliffe Bible Translators. I know these organizations probably don't mean a lot to some of you, but to others of you sitting in the room, you're like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes, that's right. My wife and I met at the Wycliffe campus at Kangaroo Ground and uh, we had the wonderful privilege of working with some of the world's best Bible translators and theologians. We've also been involved with Answers in Genesis and Creation Ministries International, as well as Uniting World um, and uh, YWAM, uh, Youth with a Mission. So mission has been a big and integral part of my personal Christian journey. But one thing that challenged me a lot about engaging with those organizations and then looking at my life in mission has been this idea that people think mission is about everyone else but me. Am I right? Everybody else needs mission. Everybody else needs someone to come and tell them about Jesus because Jesus is good and Jesus is great. And if somebody just tells them, that'll do it. That'll be done. But then about 20 years ago, a bunch of theologians sat together and they had breakfast and they were talking about this and they they said to themselves, yep, but who's doing mission to us? (laughs) Who's doing mission to the West? Who's doing mission to the churches that need Jesus right now? Because there are churches that need Jesus. Friends, do we need Jesus here at Pimpama? Yes. Yes, we do. That's right. And that's where we're going to be tackling all of these readings from. And I hope that it makes you, maybe not as excited as me, maybe a little bit more toned down, but I hope that it makes you excited. Because as God is at work in mission, things happen. Things change. 
Yes, people become saved. But I want to de-emphasize that because that is, that is an end of days thing. I want to talk more about the people who come into the church and who find friends, who build connections. People who were lonely or lost, making that connection feeling like as if they're part of a community. People who are stuck in destructive life habits, suddenly finding that what they could not overcome is overcomable through Jesus Christ and the love of the community that embraces them. See, all of that reality is part of what I hope to seed somewhat here at Pimpama. And I acknowledge that you are a beautiful community and you already have that foundation among you. Let's just put some structure around that and see how God will build his church. Amen. So, that's my introduction. <laughs> um, and I hope it doesn't, you know, just become words. I hope that it becomes something that we can really cement into our lives, knowledge and understanding. Melly, sweetheart, I, don't, I think I'm just out of range. Oh, there we go. All right. So what does this say? To evangelion, to evangelithen, hip emu hoti uk estin kata anthropon. The gospel I preach, mine that is, not, is after man. That's really bad grammar, I know, but it's really good Greek grammar. And it actually says something. In our translation, it said this. The gospel I preached is not of human origin. The gospel I preached is not of human origin. Did you see that into this morning's reading? It certainly caught me, caught my eye. Paul, why is the gospel you preach not of human origin? So that, that's the first thing we need to understand. There are multiple gospels. Yes, there is one true gospel. But there are multiple gospels out there. There are lots of people who are selling their truth as if this is gospel. And they are influencing and they are say, manipulating others. To think that I, as a modern minister, I subscribe to all of the social media feeds. It's a terrible burden, believe me. Uh, I don't like it. But it's good for me to see and understand what the world is talking about. And somehow I got onto the ex-Mormon TikTok. Uh, wow. <laughs> oh, my. You want to talk about a community of people who have been hurt by the church? My goodness. And a lot of the stuff they're saying is completely, you know, completely out of whack. Yes. But some of the stuff they're saying, wow, is very challenging. Very challenging indeed. And they're not gathering in community halls and background spaces to talk about it. They're, they're putting it on the most popular social media feed with under 20s nowadays. So as we're trying to evangelize to under 20s. They're asking the questions, are you going to do to me what has happened to those people? Because they don't see a difference, do they? They don't see a difference between the LDS Church, the Roman Catholic Church, the Uniting Church. And they don't understand what's going on in those spaces. There are lots of Gospels out there, friends. But we need to make sure that we hear the one true Gospel. That we adhere to the one true gospel, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ.
these mission agencies that we were involved with, they had their own gospels as well. At Wycliffe, we called it Vision 2020, a Bible in every language of the world. And that's what it became about. And I challenged one of my professors. I said, guys, it's a beautiful vision, you know, and it's worthwhile to have Bibles in every single language in the world. But I, I want to challenge because if we're throwing all of our effort into that, who's preaching the gospel? Who's actually doing the follow-up work with people so that they can understand their Bible? Oh, but if we do really good translation, they should understand it. Yes, they, they should. <laughs> I wonder how many Australians understand their Bibles. And we have the most translations there are out there in the English language. We even have an Aussie Bible. Have you seen that one? It's a fascinating little story. <laughs> Compares David to a little ripper. <laughs> There's language in it that I'm not that comfortable with, so you won't find it in your pews. To evangelion, to evangelisten, hupemo, hoti og estin kata anthropon. He uses the word gospel twice. The gospel that I gospelize. The gospel that I gospelize. He doesn't say preach. There's another word. The gospel that I gospelize. The seed that I plant. Are you with me? The original source. That substance. Who likes coffee? Yeah, I love coffee. The ladies at the op shop know how much I love coffee. <laughs> and uh, I did a barista course. For mission, believe it or not. Yes, it was a wonderful mission. I'll share that with you another time when we have more time. And what I learned about coffee is that the part you consume is almost the smallest, most insignificant component of it, as far as the plant is concerned. It's the pressings after everything else has been gotten rid of. It's the oil that's there. And you can literally, if you have a good grind, you can grab that grind between your fingers and you will see, once you wipe away the embers, the, the, the grinds, you can see the coloring on your fingers. That oil... That's what you drink. That's coffee. That's the most important part. When Paul says here, the gospel I gospelized, he's talking about that. He's talking about that core significant element. And I think we can all understand that when gospel is shared true genuine, heartfelt passion for God and love for fellow human, that gospel cannot be of man. That gospel cannot be with an agenda, with manipulation. It has to be pure. It has to be true. It has to be God-ordered. This, my friends, is the heart of mission, of what we want to do, of what any missionary worth their ilk going out into the world, whether it was in the 1800s, into, pardon my expression, but deep, darkest Africa, that's what they actually called it, uh, or whether it is today preaching the gospel in schools and at, um, at Schoolies Week. It has to be that same gospel. And I am flabbergasted. Is that the right word? Flabbergasted. I'm, I'm 
knocked out, wiped out by the reality that when that gospel is preached, and when you see it, you know it. <laughs> My little box died. And when you see that gospel, it's the same one that was preached 2,000 years ago. I love that I can read Paul's words. And this is why I've shared it to you in as much of an approximation as I can to his original words today. Not because I wanted to show you how smart I am or anything. No, 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 no. It's because I want you to hear Paul's words. To evangelion, to evangelist, and hup emo. Hoki, hoti, ok, estin kata anthropon. I want you to hear that. I want you to hear his passion and his drive for that perfect gospel to be communicated. And that's where we want to go as well, friends. Now, in different translations, it says this King James, we're going to go back to one of the original translations in English. The gospel which was preached of me is not after man. That's a, an interesting way of putting it. It's not after man. I would challenge that. I would say the gospel is definitely after man. It's chasing him down the street going, hey, look at me. I know it's a different context and a different way of understanding it. But yes, we need to understand that. We need to realize that. The King James Version is moving into a place now where the language of the King James Bible is very foreign to us. And terms like this can be misinterpreted. If you saw this out of context... Or if one of those 20-something-year-olds saw that, they might think, oh, this is, this is really weird. This doesn't make sense. Now, that's where the new King James comes along and it, it actually clarifies it. It says, the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. And that helps to clarify it. In, can you hear the missional spirit in that? How that slight change in translation already communicates just so much. The next translation I have for you is another one, more contemporary one. Sorry, Melly, I'm going to have to ask you to take over, please. It's just taking a bit of time for me to get this working. The Amplified Version. Everybody um, used to, all the televangelists, they used to love using this one because it, it amplified it. It gave it more words. The gospel which was preached by me is not man's gospel. I love the possessor. It's not man's gospel. If it's not man's, it must be. That's right. Now, he doesn't say that outright. But isn't it great that we can see that and we can get that connection? And then the Amplified Version amplifies it. It's not a human invention patterned after any human concept. So it broadens that understanding. And lastly, Eugene Peterson's The Message from the year 2000. This great message I delivered to you is not mere human optimism. It is not about the way how human beings understand and perceive things. And if it is not human, if it is not man's, it must be. You're getting it. This is the mission that we desire. And it's a mission that may not translate into full pews every single Sunday. It's a mission that may not translate to loads and loads of volunteers helping out with the myriad things that require churches to be run. 
But it's a mission that when you embrace it, has the power to change lives. And where those lives may go, God only knows. We give them to Him as a gift offering and we acknowledge that. And we pray that, yes, some of them will fill our pews. That, yes, some of them will be volunteers, will be preachers. We pray that God will open doors in their lives and in their hearts. And in that, in that there is a two-edged sword because it's also acknowledging that God's doors and God's moving of people's hearts may be more out there than it is in here. But if it happens in here and we know the mission of God is at work in here, then we have reason to rejoice. Amen. We have a purpose. We have a reason to be. In verse 10, Paul says, I am now trying to, I am, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. A dear mentor of mine, I think I've shared with you about him before. He had ALS. Um, and so he had to resign from the ministry as his mental capacities began to wane. Um, and he, he taught me something about ministry that has challenged me for the rest of my life. He said, I realized that my ministry was one of mending birds with broken wings. God brought him up teen people who needed to hear the gospel and understand the message of God and then needed to go. Go on and do other things, become ministers, become missionaries, become elders in other churches, worship leaders in other churches. His name was Don. And um, after he mentored me in my student time, student placement, I then found myself in my first placement as his minister. <laughs> and that of his wife and family. And he was a guitarist. His ALS meant that he could no longer speak, so he spoke through a device. And I used to make fun of him because he now had an American accent. Um, <laughs> but what was really interesting was that he was an excellent guitarist. He would shame me. I, would, I, I said, Don, I have to play the drums because when you play, it's so good. I'm, I'm just sitting here feeling like a, a, a third year, just, <laughs> just drumming away, feeling rather useless. And he said, no, nah, mate with his American accent, what you've got to bring is up at that pulpit after the worship and the singing is done. That's a man who lived as a servant of Christ, who wanted to see the mission and the work of Christ being carried out. And I want to conclude with one final story from that season of my life. First Peter reminds us, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible sorry, and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that has come to you, even angels long to look into these things. There were five little old ladies at a church in southern Adelaide. They were the last of their congregation. And I mean the last. There was no one else. Of a Sunday morning, they gathered not with a preacher or an organist or a singer, but with the Holy Spirit in prayer. They prayed earnestly for 12 months. They didn't ask the presbytery to send itinerant preachers. They didn't ask the synod for an intentional interim pastor. They heard from the Holy Spirit that they needed to just sit 
and for 52 weeks of a Sunday morning <coughs> prayer. At the end of that year, there was such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that congregation, it grew so that it could no longer fit the building that they were in. The building was eventually demolished and a stone bearing the name of the five ladies was put on the opposite corner from the one that was dedicated to God. And an acknowledgement of the seed that those ladies had sown. Not because they went out in the community, not because they approached people and told people, but because they prayed and they prayed so hard. They had become the foundation for a spiritual movement that would change that entire region. That church, when I was in the region, ended up being around about 150 people. The new building encompassed the local radio station, local Christian radio station, and it also had youth groups and brigades and all these other things that were coming in. I would have said a thousand people would have gone through that building per week as a result of the faithful prayer of those five ladies. And the other great and moving thing about that is that within their lifetime, five ministers rose up. Three of them went to other denominations. I don't don't see that as a loss. I see that as a wonderful testimony. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't have uniting church, doesn't have Baptist, doesn't have Pentecostal. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus said, He blows where He will. These five preachers went on to go to different places. My dear friend Don was one of them. And I was moved by the reality that God had done such a great and awesome thing in his life through such a gentle, simple means. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. Those five old ladies saw the end result of their faith, didn't they? I wonder what our prayers will elicit. I wonder what the end result of our faith will be here in this place. Friends, with that said, I invite you now to bow your heads as we dedicate this time to the Lord. God, you are awesome. (coughs) And your love is so good. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your word of mission for our hearts. Move us, Father God. Although maybe we cannot do all the things we might want to do. Father, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, we can look to you, we can turn to you. And the book of James tells us that the erstwhile prayer of the faithful ones can achieve very much. So Father, move in our lives. May we hold to that gospel that is not of human origin. And may we see through prayer ground breaking moves of the Holy Spirit in our region. Thank you for your love and your pouring out of this time in Jesus' name. Amen.